Welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 15-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Sterry, that's S-T-A-R-Y music.net. Also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and see live streaming of many of my performances on Periscope. My new album, White Knuckle Life, as well as my other original records, are available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, etc., This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe on iTunes. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. Also, consider helping get the word out in the street via social media, five-star rating and review on iTunes, word of mouth, etc. Happy Thought of the Day is by Glenn Fry. People don't run out of dreams. People just run out of time. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 15. Great feedback on last week's podcast with Patrick Tanner. Thanks for tuning in for part two. Talk around town this week. Unfortunately, the world lost another classic musician this week, Glenn Fry of the Eagles. Some of my favorite early music career memories are strumming Eagles tunes with my buddy Josh on the girls' floor in Fleming Hall at UW-Stout. For all the pro wrestling fans out there, Triple H is once again your WWE champion of the world. In my view, Royal Rumble 2016 was one of the best pay-per-views in recent memory. Bow down to the game, Triple H's theme song, by another recently lost musical icon, Lemmy of Motorhead, has got to be one of the best intro songs ever. Picked up the classic Pixies record, Doolittle, this week. I absolutely love it. Words of wisdom, though. It's a great record to rock out to but I'd suggest not whistling along to the song La La Love You while at the gym. Last week's gigs wrap-up. Wednesday, I played a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota. Things seem to be picking up after the post-holiday lull, and I appreciate all the shows. Thursday, I played a luau show at Barnboard Grill in Roberts, Wisconsin. Great to see longtime friends, Courtney, Steve, Ethan, Don, etc. My golden retriever, Copper, had a great time hanging out with the service dogs, Duke and Stetson, after the gig. Friday, Brian Johnson and myself played a show at Lucky's 13 in Plymouth, Minnesota. Loved seeing out longtime supporters, Tammy, Stu, Frank, Brian, etc., the Stews Warriors, a.k.a. Three Grand in the Hole, band are back. Saturday, Brian Johnson and myself rocked our annual show at Vanelli's in Forest Lake, Minnesota. Thanks for the Foss family for having us every year for their party. So many fun people and friends there. Looking forward to more shows this summer. Also, a big happy birthday to our friend Rich, who made the trip from Rochester for the show. Upcoming shows, Wednesday, January 27th, 2016, Brian Johnson and myself will be rocking out at YZ Bar and Grill in YZ, Minnesota from 8 to 11 p.m. 
Friday, January 29th, 2016, I'll be playing a solo show at Danny's in Stillwater, Minnesota from 7 to 10 p.m. Saturday, January 30th, 2016, the Mark Sterry Blues and Variety Band featuring Brian Johnson and Dustin DeGoyer will be back rocking out at Thirst Yatter in Balsam Lake, Wisconsin from 9 to 1 a.m. Guest this week is part two with my interview with Patrick Tanner. He's currently the guitar player and musical director for G.B. Layton. He's also worked with popular acts such as Tina and the B-Sides, Allie Gray, and Martin Zeller. This week, we discuss his new Swedish-speaking record, Post and Scott. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, everybody. Here we are again this week with Mr. Patrick Tanner. Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you, my friend. Thanks for doing a part two of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Part one was a blast. We talked about your varied career, your journey over here to the United States, uh, your studio, all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. It was a good time. It was a great time. Part two is talking about Patrick's latest record, Po Svenska. Yes. It is not in English. No, it's entirely in, in Swedish, and uh, as the title implies, Svenska means in Swedish. Really? So it's that, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what made you want to put out a record literally in Swedish? Uh, I didn't have any plan, really. I hadn't really written songs in Swedish since I was 16 or 17 years old. And um, so it was nothing that I ever aspired to to do. It, but it started very simply. I was just sitting around and I was thinking about um, a trip that I used to make by bus when I grew up. And all the points in between where that bus would start and stop and all that stuff. And I started writing the song. And, and then I thought, since it is about a place in Sweden, maybe I should try writing it in Swedish. And it opened up the floodgates and the songs just kept coming and coming. But it was more, um, you know, something that I did for myself. And it was my wife, Michelle, actually, that said, you know, you should turn this into a record. And I said, really? So yeah, you should totally do that. And uh, I took her advice and it turned into an album and, uh, and we put it out. Was there any language... Like, how often do you speak Swedish nowadays? Not often. You know, a little bit on Facebook, because I know, you know, a few people back there still to this day. But, you know, my vocabulary hasn't really grown since I left the country at age 18. So that was a big thing. I was wondering, can I do this in a in a good way and, and in a poetic way? And... Um, it turned out that, that it worked. You know, I sent a couple of songs over to a very, very good friend and talented songwriter in his own right, Pete Johnson, in Sweden. I said, am I on to something here or am I just completely delusional? And he said, oh, you're, you're good. Keep on writing. And I did. You know? um, a dear friend of mine uh, named Manfred, he's from Germany, and he, when he does a German project, he says he really has to... Uh, to knock the rust off his old German because he never speaks it anymore. So I was kind of curious if you had any trouble with that. Not really. It came you know, right back to you? It came back to me. I mean, there's some, you know, expressions that have um, popped up in the last 30 years that I'm just not hip to, you know. I don't know, <laughs> what, I don't know what the hell they're talking about on Facebook when they're saying that something is this, that, or the other thing. And I'm, 
I can't really chime in because I don't. I'm not entirely sure what it means. Okay. Uh, but that's about it. You still yeah. remember all the old curse words, though, right? Oh, you bet. <laughs> you bet. Very useful. Nice. Yeah. Um. So, what was the first song that you wrote and recorded off this? How did did you write the songs first and then record them, or did you? have them written and kind of worked it out or did you record them as you wrote them or how did the recording process all go um in general i would say i would i would write the song and then i would record it immediately more of a you know a document than oh i'm gonna flesh this out to uh, uh to be something bigger and um i took some advice from pete johnson my good friend and and my wife too, leave things as they are, you know, unadorned and uh, in in its raw, natural state. So more often than not, I did that. I just wrote the song, recorded it quickly, and uh, left it alone, you know. When I first put it in my car to listen to, what struck me right away was how good it sounded sonically, even just a vocal and guitar, which I think how it kicks off. How any kind of settings or any kind of EQ levels that you could share with novice recording folks like me or whomever to get it to sound like that? Uh, there is no, uh, there's no magic trick, really. I think that uh, in general, when I record myself or anybody else, I uh, I try to keep a really straight uh, signal path without a lot of EQ. I don't hype certain frequencies to make them cut. I just try to make things sound as natural as possible, almost as if the technology or the microphones or the preamps are not there, so you can just get to the song. I don't want to hear the recording. I just want to hear the song, so I try to work towards that end. Yeah. Okay. Um, as far as instrumentation, it's primarily an acoustic record. Yeah. Um, did you play the piano? Yep. And Allie did the harmony vocals? Allie Gray sang backup vocals on the whole record, If yeah. these questions sound stupid, it's because I can't read Swedish, so I can't, I can't yep. read the, the liner notes. It's not one of those, like, Eddie Trunk would read the liner notes, the newest Slayer record. I can't do that because it's a different language. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all in Swedish. You know, I figured it, it would be best that way. Songs are in Swedish, so the credits just ended up in Swedish, too. How did Allie do the harmonies? Did you, um, did you tell her what you were saying, or... Write it, what's it, phonetically or? She learned it phonetically, you know, and uh, it was funny because she uh, she came in and sang and uh, there was a song on there and and she thought, she said, is this what the song is about? And she had a theory about whether it's it was about like the uh, the trouble in Syria right now. And, uh, and I said, no, that's not it. It's actually a song about... Um, about the lilacs blooming in sw in spring, so it's you know it's different enough so that you can you know, think that it's that, but it's really about the polar opposite. You know, have flowers over there, and then you have unrest. It's <laughs> cool. Another part of the world. So yeah, but she really uh, she did did such a great job, and I think that it really helped that she didn't speak any Swedish because there's a softness. Um, that I wouldn't have gotten from, you know, a Swedish girl singing it. So she did a fantastic job. Oh, it's spot it. on. It's, yeah. It sounds excellent. Um, some of my Do you mind if I ask you about some of the, the tracks that I like off here? Go ahead. 
My favorite one, and these, please excuse my pronunciation, which you said you'll just help me with. Then uh, here's the longest title, too, of course. Uh, Det Versailles du Bleu Till. Aha, uh-huh, very good. That is a super catchy song, and the chorus is really cool. Um, it's almost churchy-like and seems um, really just raw and emotional. This one, I have no idea what you're talking about. I hope it's not going to McDonald's to to buy a Diet Coke for your your buddy who's going to go no. mix it with a Captain Diet. I mean, <laughs> well, that sounds good too, but no, that's <laughs> not it. Det var så du blev till. First of all, what what does that mean? Uh, the way you came to be. Okay. And um, basically, that's the tagline of the song. So this is where you came from. This is you know the origins from which you came, and now you're born, and you're this. And so it's a story of two very, very different people who had no choice but to fall in love with one another, uh, even though they were very, very different people. But sometimes you have to love even when you don't want to, because love is everything. That's all you have. So it's it's that story, you know. Oh, it's it's melodically. It's I think it's excellent. Um, another one that stands out to me is. It's got a nice, I like the ones of the big choruses, is uh, Handen i Hansken. Handen i Hansken, yeah. That's got a nice catchy chorus too. It's it's one right after that one too. Yeah, Handen i Hansken is, um, that's a song that I wrote uh, leading up to the Swedish elections in 2014. And, uh, you know, there are things happening all around the world, but in my country of Sweden, um Things got a little bit scary, and they continue to be scary. There was a, what I would call a fascist party called uh, Sverige Demokraterna, who have they got their origins in uh, the neo-Nazi movement of the 1980s and 90s, and they were all of a sudden getting some wind in their sails and actually captured, I believe, 13 or 15 percent of the vote in the elections, and there was definitely. Uh, um, you could feel it. It was tangible. And uh, so the song is a little bit about that. And, um, you know, a word of caution, because as it is usually with people like that, uh, they try to dress it up in a good suit, and we're all for the people, and aren't you proud to be Swedish? And, you know, we're going to really define what that means, and if you're not with us, you're against us. And fascism and that kind of stuff always comes on the same way and then you know you buy into it and then the hammer drops and all of a sudden you know it's 1939 all over again so. yeah wow i had no idea <laughs> yeah aren't you glad you asked <laughs> yeah i thought it was about when you met the singer of sweet man oh i actually i wrote a song about that on a different record did that's you really a, yeah it's a different story um what on a different record, uh, we all loved you, and it's off of um, uh, an album called All Sorts. Did you send it to him? No, because he was already dead. Oh, so that didn't work. But it was a tribute to him. And, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, another thing that struck me was the the cover is really just striking and serious. Yeah, my wife Michelle is a professional photographer and, and it Where was her. Where is this taken at? This is actually taken at the American Swedish Institute in Minneapolis. Okay. And uh, they have a 
gorgeous ballroom up there on the third floor, which is the same place I had the album release concert in 2015 uh, when I released the album. And um, so we went there and took the pictures. And yeah. Okay. And these are photos of your childhood? Yes. Uh, you know, a bunch of pictures of me, you know, basically growing up, playing the drums, you know, playing some guitar. And, uh, you know, my, my dad took a lot of pictures. God bless him. And, uh, and um, I inherited a lot of those pictures, too. So we decided to use some old ones. Do you remember any of these old posters on the wall? Oh, yeah, you bet. And none of these have been photoshopped because... No. I s- this one right here says, I swear it's a Justin Bieber poster. I, don't, I, I sincerely hope not. That's, that would be very strange. Oh, I'm just, I'm just totally yeah. kidding. Um, so tell me about, so you, you finished the record, and then you went to Sweden and performed it there. Yeah. How did you set that up? Where did you play? Did you have a lot of any relatives that showed up? Uh, what was that experience like? It was very interesting in that, you know, I hadn't really booked a show in Sweden in, you know, decades, really. And uh, so putting it together was would have been impossible if it wouldn't have been for some some people there that really helped me out. Old friends who are still in the business helped me out with booking some shows and and videotaping the shows, and uh, another guy, a very, very talented videographer, um, Robert Herglund, recorded a video for me for one of the songs. Really? Um, so it was really like a, a grassroots effort, and I couldn't have done it without, without, you know, those people. I wouldn't have been able to put it together. How was it received? It was really, really strange because I've recorded a lot of albums over the years, but for whatever reason, this one seemed to connect with people. I think part of the reason could be that the songs on the record are about Sweden, and a lot of them are about a Sweden that's no longer there, it's that has ceased to exist. And um, so a lot of my contemporaries have come forward and sent me messages and contact me and and so that they recognize themselves in these songs and I've never really worked a lot with specific locations and stuff like that in my music it's usually something that's more straight up poetic and with this one it's a lot of a lot more about storytelling and uh songs about actual people and places, and I think that might have made a difference, and that's why it connected. Okay. Was your family able to join you over in Sweden? Yes. My my son, Elliot, seven years old, uh, and, and my wife came with. And Did he have a Paul McCartney-ish kind of moment watching you up there singing in Swedish? Uh, I don't know. That's, that's <laughs> just, you know, I'm just dad to yeah. him, you know. So then you came back here and you played a CD release show at the Swedish Institute in Minneapolis? Yeah, I did that actually before we went to Sweden. Really? And, uh, but that was uh, amazing because the audience was primarily American, but I had a chance to tell the story of each song before we did you know, whatever song that was. And I swear to you, a couple of people cried, which is, you know, I That's think it's still, I still, you know, I, it's still connected and I think that music is, you know, whether it's Swedish or French or whatever it is, you can still make that emotional connection whether you understand 
the language or not. You know, it's universal. It's just all part of the, the human condition. And um, so it didn't feel like a stretch. Again, you know, that was my wife's idea, and it, it turned out to be a good one. Okay. Um, are you going to play any more shows to promote this? Yeah, actually, that's that's part of what we're hoping to do in 2016 is to find more venues around the country that are a bit like the American Swedish Institute and take these songs to those kinds of audiences around America. So that's something that we're working on right now. Do you think you can talk Brian Layton into you guys in between Hey Baby and One Foot Over covering Nausea or whatever? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, he, I've never met anybody so open-minded. I mean, he's got a very open mind, but I'm sure he's got his limits as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. So do you think you'll ever record another record like this? I don't know. You know, I keep writing songs in Swedish, but I'm also writing in English again. And um, I think it's for the best to just leave that alone for a spell and just write the songs. That's usually how I do it. I keep writing songs. And when I have a collection of a bunch of songs, I'm trying to see if there's anything that ties them together. Um, and then the record will be born out of that. Um, so I don't know. It's it's quite possible. I think the door is wide open for it, so I wouldn't rule it out. Okay. Um, what other solo projects do you have going on? Solo projects for myself in yeah. my own name? Well, I have a, one thing that I would like to do is to do an instrumental album. Really? Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I got a stockpile of instrumental stuff, and uh, the kind of stuff you could put on in good conscience when you're doing the dishes <laughs> uh, at a dinner party, something like that. And uh, I've always been a big fan of Booker T and the MGs and, and uh, you know, Junior Walker and the All-Stars. So, you know, that kind of 60s R&B kind of stuff where there's a little bit of a dance party going on. Okay. Um, so that would be something. That would be something I'd love to do. Nice. I have another whole other album recorded also that I haven't released yet called um, Do You Still Believe in Rock and Roll? Okay. And it's a rock and roll record about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very obvious. So kind of concept record-ish? Yeah, I mean, it's using rock and roll as a uh, microcosm for America and Do You Still Believe, you know? Yeah. And... Uh, and uh, and yes, I do, you know. Are you a fan of that concept record genre? Because wasn't one of your solo records, Full Auto Shutoff, wasn't that directly about your relationship with your mother's illness, I believe, you told me? Yeah, it was. that was just a record that I had to do. And um, I have a hard time listening to it these days. And I think most people probably have a hard time with it because it's very noisy and uh, drenched in feedback and stuff like that. But I always thought... Um, you know, you kind of dig where you stand, and that was where I was at at that particular time. And I, you know, it's it's difficult to process um, the illness and death of a parent because you're automatically dealing also with your own mortality and everything that came before. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's probably one of those records that you only need to make it once. Yeah. You know. On a lighter note, when I came in here, it's been a while since I, I've been here, and uh, I came in the, the back door, and you, I was talking to you and Michelle, and you guys were talking about when you put out a record once, you're sending it to promo people, 
And it was kind of a funny story with something you added along with your record for the people that were listening to it. Can you tell that real quick? Yeah, that was actually the, the first Patrick Tanner and the Far Awayman album called Done Broke Down, and it was very much steeped in self-pity and uh, a fair amount of uh, self-abuse. And, uh, you know, that was uh, my poor pity me moment there. And uh, and uh, when I sent it out to radio and media and all that stuff, I I sent it out with a box of razor blades and a sticker that said... <laughs> Ended all with Patrick Tanner and the Far Away Men, and I thought this was <laughs> terrifically funny. I thought it was hilarious, you know. And uh, oh, God. I wouldn't do that now, I don't think. But at that moment, it just seemed like a, a brilliant idea. And and uh, to my knowledge, nobody took me up on it and actually did that. It was <laughs> it was just for some very very dark humor. Um, but you know, some people, you know, what it takes these days. I mean, you got to basically, you know, you know, get buck naked and set set yourself on fire and put it on YouTube to get anybody's attention. So it was an early effort, like a pre-YouTube <laughs> effort to uh, to get some attention for my record. Oh my yeah. God, that's good. Well, on that note, Patrick, thank you for being on the Mark Steer Music Podcast. Thank you so um, much for having me. How do people me? get a hold of you if they would like you to record a song for them, if they want to hire you for a show, if they want to pick up this new post-Svenska record? How do people get a hold of you? Well, I have a website, patricktanner.com, and uh, it's P-A-T-R-I-K, Tanner. Okay. Sounds great. Patrick, thank you so much for being on the Mark Steer Music Podcast. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. Yep. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Steer Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for a new podcast about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It can be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go have some fun. Till next time. Vi är en kontaktannons Tog ensamhetens slut Man söker kvinnan Söker man Brustna förlovningar en hora eller två Grejade resten på egen hand Hon var galen Och han var snäll De visste allting om varann Fotografier Jag tittar på Ser dem glada ut min sann Ibland får man älska När man inte vill Ibland är kärlek allt man har Stackars längtan Som fick tiden att stå still 
Det var så du blev till Det var så du blev till Efter att du skilde dig Så blev du gift igen Du hade inte lärt dig någonting alls Han ville in i dina hemligaste rum Det var vad han sa i alla fall Du visste bättre Du är inte dum Du hade gjort det där förut Hade redan nycklar Till en annan dörr Innan det hela tagit slut Ibland får man älska När man inte vill Ibland är kärlek allt man har Har en stackars längtan Som fick tiden att stå still Det var så du blev till Det var så du blev till